Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Have you got a drink? I've got a lucky saint. 0%. 0% dry January, Matt. Dry January. Oh, here we go. Here we go. And welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Matt Knight. Good evening, Mr. Joe. Good evening, afternoon, and morning, Mr. Matt. Welcome, dear listener. Welcome to episode two in season four. And what uh what a packed out episode we've got. We've got there's so much stuff to talk about this week that I imagine we're not gonna get through it all. So I'll try. We're going to try. We're going to try to do our best. Also, apologies uh, to start with. I've I've got a, a touch of sinusitis, dear listener. So, like breathing through my nose is a distant memory. So, <laughs> apologies for me sounding a little bunged up. Uh, I, I was I was I think I had the start of it last week, and uh, uh, I, I think Bruce Bacon pointed it out on a, on on our Patreon. He messaged saying he could hear now. I, so he was. I do apologize. <laughs> hear you breathing. <laughs> yes, hear you breathing I, I have been breathing through my mouth for a week, and it's, it's I, tiring. Um, I was listening to a podcast the other day, uh, and these two people always podcast remotely. Um, apart from the last couple of weeks, they've been in the same country, so they can podcast together. And one of the guys was eating crisps, and at the other time, the guy was like, "Stop eating crisps!" And it just made me think about the very first podcast where. We would effectively go to the local shop. We would buy about £20 worth of snacks. And then we would eat those snacks as we were recording the podcast. It was like so terribly unprofessional. Yeah, yeah the yeah the audio quality on those was uh, wasn't great, <laughs> crisp laden, uh, mm. and there was no plugins to get rid of that either. So you were stuck. <laughs> no, not back then. <laughs> not back then. I think we were recording. We had some mics that Mark Packham had borrowed from Pro Audio, and we were running them straight into one of those, like a battery powered Zoom H6 handy recorder still a great handy recorder i know a few people that still take those to shoots and stuff i mean that was our recorder for a long time you know even when uh you moved to london and me mark and jay were recording at jay's we would be going all through the h6 and then we'd plumb a laptop with you on it into the h6 using that as our master it was great it was really good in fact last year the uh 
um, I realized I'm so out of practice with doing live podcasts because we've been doing them remote for so many years. So last year when we did the Bronkoff and me, JD and Naomi all got together at JD's to record the podcasts, I was like, it was on the day I was heading up to JD's and I was like, oh, wait, I don't have a thing that I can record <laughs> it all with. I had to like call my drummer Crispy and I was like, no, I think you've got an, an H6. Have you? Can I come and borrow it? <laughs> but uh, yeah, you should. Yeah. <laughs> should invest in one of those. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, should invest in some sort of portable device to be able to record a podcast if we ever... Well, I mean, there is no restrictions now, is there? You know, we can see each other face-to-face. We just choose the easier option, which is just do it remotely. Yes, exactly. Although we can see each other's face because we can we do, now see each other's yes. face. Yes. And we went, through that, we went through that fabled period of live streaming every podcast as oh. well as recording it. It was really bad. I think we were, we were live streaming with like Mark's old 2008 MacBook Pro. I mean, yeah. the, the, you know, I've got like a 2019 MacBook Pro now and the camera on it's so bad that I spent like 150 quid on a on a webcam just so that you can see me in better better detail matthew the only the only time actually that i've been super impressed uh was when thorpey came on and we did do a kind of similar to what we're doing now obviously people listening to this can't see us either or won't be able to see us at any point but he was like yeah i've just just using my like fancy dslr camera Mm. i'm like just you know super high def for for no reason but it's always nice to see people in in a nice uh a nice resolution, should I Wait, say? Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, that's enough of resolutions, Joe. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, indeed. Uh, well, anyway, we, we need to start. <clears throat> we need to start this podcast um, on a on a on a very sad note. Of course, dear listeners, we're we're all aware we uh, we lost Jeff Beck uh, last week, legendary uh, guitarist, and you know the, the, his contribution to 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 music to guitar playing. Uh, is has been absolutely substantial. He'll be he'll be incredibly missed. There've been some wonderful tributes that I've been reading, and of course, dear listener, I imagine that for a lot of you that you've done the same. You've been listening back through some of your favourite uh, Jeff Beck records, whether that's Yardbirds or you know his his own stuff. Um, but you know, I was reading some. I, I was reading some lovely like quotes from other players. Uh, I, th- I think it was uh, in an article on Premier Guitar. They they were saying that they believed that he and Jimi Hendrix were the most inventive and original rock and roll guitarist that there ever was. You know, there there have been some there have been some lovely things uh, read out, and so it's some wonderful like uh, uh, I loved I loved this some stories. <clears throat> Uh, I really enjoyed this one that I read in an article. I'll just quote it directly. I saw Beck use the whammy bar alone to play a slow, lovely feedback melody through his array of amps and then point the guitar's headstock straight down into the stage and push himself into the air by placing his hands on the rounded back end of the body. When he touched down, he tossed the guitar, still feeding back, into his arms, hit two notes that revealed where the tuning had drifted and flawlessly adjusted and picked up the melody he'd been playing before the acrobatic stunt. It's pretty cool. There's not many people that can do what he did. To be, to, you know, I think probably, do you know, I I would say, you know, for us, Joe, in the 10 years we've been doing this, probably the, the guitarist we've talked about, of big guitar players we've talked about the least. Mm. But actually... 
I, and you know, I'm not just saying this, but probably one of the guitarists I've listened to the most. Um, right, really? Well, yeah, I, I, you know, out of those classic gu- yeah, guitarists, sure. out of you know, all of Jeff Beck's mates, we're to, to yeah, about, you know, out I, of Clapton and Page, you know, you listen to Beck the most. You yeah, I think um, we we were talking just before we started, and actually, the the record that got me into Jeff Beck was actually the album Jeff from two thousand three, which was his bizarre electronica record. That is him playing guitar against a bunch of different electronica beats and there's loads of slide guitar playing in it and it's just wicked because it was really interesting it was guitar playing being interesting and then obviously you know the is he tr- did were you saying he's trying to replicate yeah he like replicates synth. like some electronic synth sounds and all sorts of crazy stuff um and then of course everyone knows the really really fam- famous performance at Ronnie Scott's and you just watch that and you're like yeah it's just the yeah. guy is you know, just a machine in terms of guitar playing. And I think the thing is probably the most original guitar player. I mean, obviously I know that Jimi Hendrix and, you know, Jimmy Page and those guys were original. You know, Van Halen was an an original, but I feel that some of those styles have been copied so much that they don't feel original. But every time you heard Jeff Beck, it was like, it's very Jeff Beck. Yeah, it that's was like a great only point. he could sound that. Only he could sound that way. Loads of people rip off Jimmy Page, and then Jimmy Page just sounds like that gentle vibe. Sure. But yeah, yeah he, absolutely. He yeah. only sounds like Jeff Beck, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, and you know, as as far as as far as whammy bar use on a Stratocaster oh, goes, it's yeah. it's just un- unbelievable. It's just unbelievable that he can achieve the 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 sounds he did using just a, you know, a I think um, it reminds me actually of a story from the GAC days when I very when I kind of yeah early on when I started there um, Jeff Beck did a masterclass at BIM and right. I think someone from Fender or Marshall or BIM was like doing the masterclass and they were like oh Jeff's rider is he needs this Marshall head and one of his signature strats like he's not even going to bring his own guitar it's like no you need to bring he needs <laughs> us to provide a guitar amp head and a uh and a guitar and the manager at the time took it to the masterclass came back and said he just plugged those two things nothing else and sounded exactly like him <laughs> and uh there's very few people that could just plug straight into an amp and i think just get that sound and that and that vibe and yeah, yeah. just and as well like his signature strat was some would regard as probably the most clinical, right. you know, compared yeah, just, to like other fenders that people are making or playing or custom shops. It was just like a really good specked out strat and didn't need any more than that. Yeah. In fact, I mean, we we're talking about albums that we were listening to. You were talking about uh, to, to me beforehand um, that you've been listening to actually the two albums that you, you said the two albums, two 70s albums, Blow by Blow and Wired. And I think that was the changeover because uh, Blow by Blow, he's playing that famous Oxblood uh, Les Paul. And Wired, yes. I think, is his first Stratocaster album. You may well be right on that one, judging by the image uh, on the front cover, which is one with him with a lead ball and the other one with a strat. Probably makes sense. And then he played um, strats quite a lot after that. And actually, I just as we're talking about it, I remember the album that I've actually one of the albums I've actually got on vinyl, uh, and I bought it purely because the front cover is 
somewhat ridiculous is Jeff Beck's guitar shop with Terry Bozio and Tony Hymas. Uh, and that is just a ridiculous guitar record of just like some amazing guitar playing, amazing drumming. But the front cover is him as a mechanic <laughs> in a garage. And instead of working on a car, he's working on a strap. A giant strap. <laughs> a giant strap. Um, that he's got on one of those like raised things that you would yeah. raise up a car to work un- underneath it. <laughs> I mean, there was the story once where he said, the only reason I make records is so I can make money to spend on his cars um, or something <laughs> something along that line. But I didn't realise um, that he'd only just recently played on the new Ozzy Osbourne record that came no, out like like a month ago or something like that. Um, but yeah, loads of great stuff to, to go back and listen to. But for oh, me, yeah. if you want an amazing live performance, it's live at Ronnie Scott's. I mean, that is just amazing. Yeah. Jeff, if you want to listen to something different and then, yeah, if you want like eighties guitar stuff, then, I mean, the great thing about Jeff Beck's guitar shop is it's got all of the like classic eighties guitar sounds in it. Right. It's like how much chorus and delay can we add to the sound? It's got a reggae song on it. I mean, yeah, you know, everyone has to have some sort of <laughs> yeah, reggae he, song. He, at had, that point. He, he had a strong reggae period. <laughs> it's but, uh, just I mean, so weird. For for me, my favorite my favorite Jeff Beck record is um, <laughs> is Truth, which is his first album, nineteen sixty eight. His first uh, solo album. Obviously, there's the Yardbirds and everything, but his first uh, solo record. He plays a Sunburst 59 Les Paul for that record. And it's my it was my favourite because I love Led Zeppelin. And this is like getting an extra Led Zeppelin record. Mm. Um, and so obviously it's before he was doing all this crazy vibrato stuff on a Stratocaster. But for that sort of Led Zeppelin-esque rocked up blues, it's just an absolutely stonking record. And guitar mm. tone is just everything you want from that sort of late 60s, early 70s rock and roll sound. Yeah. just um... Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah, a bloody great guitar player. 
Bloody I would say it all in all, yeah, yeah and, and definitely one of my uh, definitely one of my favourites. But the guy that we just probably spoke about the least, yeah, yeah, really random there. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure we've ever really mentioned him on the podcast. Maybe in passing here and there, and we. Yeah, should have spoken about more. But anyway, he will be sadly missed, but he leaves behind a, a fantastic back catalogue of music and a, a wonderful does. legacy and impact on the entire community. Now, uh, now, uh, yes, moving on to talk about some other things. Oh, but, uh, as it happens, uh, I was speaking to, I was messaged by podcast, long-time podcast listener Brad Page um, recently, who uh, I didn't realise, but Brad Page has his own uh, podcast, uh, love that song podcast. So, dear, um, uh, you know, dear listener, go out and uh, check that out. You, can, you check out the Love That Song podcast. It's it's very very good. They uh, they go through like the the history and the creation of uh, of great songs. It's really interesting. You get to uncover some really uh, interesting facts about songs that you know and love and we were speaking and i think we're going to get brad page on a few episodes as well because he's a great chap knowledgeable about guitars and i think uh he'd make a wonderful addition uh to you and me matt so we will uh amazing we'll do that at some point yes yeah exactly also I, whilst we're talking about things that have been discussed largely you know either on patreon uh patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds dear listener or on the facebook group the guitar nerds group on facebook um also the question of the branton rantons came back up i forgot about those (laughs) i forgot about those they were they were great we did those years ago remember mark used to come around my house ply me with whiskey and then ask me about things like contentious things things that i dis uh dislike and uh, I, I never did them again because they were a little bit contentious. Like it, they were always tongue in cheek, but they they had, they got mixed feedback. But we see. I think we might do some. They might even include Mark Packham uh, again on the Patreon. We might do another little run of the Branton rant on because I feel like there's plenty for me to rant on uh, about at the moment. Like uh hss guitars um you know like uh <laughs> the strat uh, yeah prs in general uh yeah there's 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 so there's so much that that i could rant about that that's it just those two things really. just but, that, just <laughs> those two things yeah. you could rant about forever build poplar fan frets oh yeah there's Bold there's all, all these Joe. things sure. <laughs> no but we'll, we'll see we'll see there might be there might be something uh, along those lines but the facebook group has been great this week um because we're going to talk about uh, now dear listener what we've been up to what matt and i have been up to but one thing we mentioned last week was that i was looking for an all-rounder guitar to do all the video demos for kma and we've had a lot of great suggestions from uh from listeners um of course you know i said on the podcast obviously not anything a hss because uh, not an hss strap because that's sacrilege which it is <laughs> and of course someone was like get an hss strat Ugh. do you also mail order your comfortable jeans and drive a volvo i love I my comfortable <laughs> jeans <laughs> um but yes uh, so we had some great suggestions um yogi the guitarist thinks uh, that the telecaster is the best all-rounder of course he does uh it's specifically he <laughs> called out the the jason isbell telecaster which matt i think you you were quite a fan of when we were oh yeah we, we were talking about that i know that quite a few of the old um youtubers friends that are tubers um have been raving about that i i you know 
probably disastrous to say to a lot of listeners. I have no idea who he is. No, uh, no, me neither. But uh, um, I don't <laughs> think we call ourselves the guitar nerds. <laughs> um, a songwriter, apparently. Uh, yeah. People were people were explaining who he is on the. I, I um, thought for a long time it was group. Jason Isabel, but it's not. It's Jason Isabel, as in he is Bell. <laughs> um, exactly. But yeah, he is uh, known for his work with the band The 400 Unit. Again, no idea Never who heard he is. Of but still, it's basically a bound Rosewood Neck Telecaster. A good suggestion there as an all-rounder. Um, Mark Nape was, uh, or uh, Nape, Nape, I think I'm pronouncing it right. I think all the Ks are silent in uh, in that name. I'm not sure. Correct me, Mark. <laughs> Said anything by Reverend uh, with PAF-style humbuckers. Um, quite a good shout. Reverend, great for all-rounders. Also, you get that bass contour control. Mm, and that makes a huge difference. Although I tend to find I just leave it on all of the time. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it, that gives me some great options for like a big, thick, fat sound. Probably quite handy for like heavy stuff as well, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then I can still do that really skinny thing. I could probably get some sort of telly-esque tones or strat-esque tones by rolling it the whole way off, maybe getting that thin sound. I don't know if it works and if it thins everything out, you know, rolling it off. I'm not sure quite how the how it's, it works. Um, I would, you know, on the Matt West signature I've got, I would say it goes from a normal-sounding guitar to an absolute machine. Right. So I think, so yeah, especially if you're using drive. It doesn't cut, like, it boosts. Yeah, it feels like it boosts, um, but it's not an active circuit. So I see. I'm not, you know, don't quote me on that, but uh, it's definitely a really good, unique circuit to have in there that adds a lot of uh, oomph, shall we say. Okay, yeah, that's, that is that is a good old suggestion. Philip Carter and a number of others had suggested an ES-335, whether I was going to Gibson or, you know, even the quality things that Epiphone are turning out these days. Certainly, I'd have the option of a pickup upgrade in there. And a, how do you feel about a 335, Matt? That, that seemed to be a contentious post on the group. Some people were like, no, they only sound like 335s, but the, mm. the point that Philip was raising was like, Yes, it does sound like a 335 all the time, but it sounds great in every genre or every style you can play yeah, it in. It probably, works. It's probably not a bad shout. You know, I think um, maybe if you went down to like a 339, you'd probably get more of that, um, I guess, less air. Less know, boominess. Yeah, yeah. That, that was also a suggestion. But I, to me, I'm like, yeah, I'd probably say telly. Really? Would I say a telly or would I say a strat? Strats are just so uh, stratty. That's the strats thing. Are so I know that sounds I, awful. A few people just... did say strats, and I actually think the strat is the opposite because the strat will always sound very, very specific. I, I realise I actually just said uh, that about the three three five and was claiming that's a good thing. But strats sound so stratty. Yeah, <laughs> the, I think that's what I was try- trying to get through is that yeah. uh, they sound so much like. But a strat. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. quality podcast here. Strat really sounds like a strat. Um, I mean, yeah, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I think that's why we were saying like two humbuckers, Les Paul, hmm. a bit more control, paths, not as high output. You know, they're like a beefy, you know, almost like a super beefy single coil in some ways, depending on how you set them. Probably not a bad shout. I mean, for me, the ultimate all-rounder is still the music man right the valentine the valentine active though matt yeah i can't leave it plugged in 
No, I know. I accidentally left my Ed O'Brien strap plugged in and then like got up this morning and was like, oh, that's that battery flat. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that is annoying. But Mariposa, then you could you could feel your love of Omar, yeah. but also have two humbuckers. That is actually a really good shout. Mariposa, that is a good suggestion. And then there's no tone control. There's just two volumes, right? I think there is a tone. There's two volumes and a tone. Are you sure? No, there's definitely just two volumes. I'm really? sure. Oh, right. Okay. Um, Mariposa. Let's double check this bad boy. Uh, oh, no, you can't just Google Mariposa, can you? Because it just brings up butterfly. Um, <laughs> no, two controls. Oh, the right. Sterling so one. Well, how did I not know this? The Sterling Music Man, Mariposa, comes in Pueblo Pink. What? Did we, did we talk about this? I didn't know point? it came in pink. I thought it only came in some rubbish blue, which was why I was never interested in it. Uh, UK retailer, currently at 649. Oh, that um, is only just outside of my tax rebate. That, Joe, I think we've just solved it here. Um, <laughs> roasted maple neck with locking tuners in Pueblo Pink. Music Man Mariposa, £649. Joe. I think that's I think, it. I think that, re- uh, to me, that I'd actually go, yeah, good all-rounder. Obviously not not active, totally passive, just two volumes. Shape all the tone post-recording, and um, away you go. Yeah, wow. Blocking and if you don't want it, still- maybe I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wow, I can't believe it. I and it's got a trem, which you don't have to use if no, you don't want to. No, but trems are handy. Trems are handy. So uh, if it's going to be an all-rounder, having a trem is better than being hardtail. This uh, this might be it. I think that might be it. So the thing that I had actually kind of landed on before this discussion was um, I went I went uh, I went into my storage unit to have a look at all the guitars that I'd put away there to see if there was anything general purpose and i came across uh fender american uh professional performer what do they call the standards now performer professional uh, matt uh i'm <laughs> just trying i i think it doesn't it's matter pro- it's pro it's professional now isn't it yeah professional yeah, yeah. there we go uh the uh jazz master which i have in that terrible color uh, dark when night. did you get that uh with uh jay cross like three years ago wow four years ago i i didn't really like it i left it in storage and then i i I took it out and i was like actually this is a great guitar i just was really opposed to the finish at the time it was very good i was gonna say if you don't want that send it my way (laughs) not that i need any more guitars but i probably probably need to give it back to jay cross at some point but uh but he hasn't asked for it uh he, he won't he won't know he won't even listen to this podcast mate he'll be fine <laughs> exactly exactly but uh, i've never really uh got on with ja- jazz masters before and sitting down spending some time with it they are fantastic and they're pretty versatile they kind of mm. do the do a bit of a stratty thing but you can also make them big fat and open sounding um especially this one it's it's obviously trying to be very modern and very um right. versatile Oh, that's cool. I forgot about those. Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess for me, it's just the pickups. Are they going to be, are they going to give you enough oomph? Hmm. Yeah. Um, that is it. I, yeah, I don't know. I'd go, I, I, yeah, the more I talk about it, the more I'm like, I'd go for the, 
go for the Music Man. In fact, actually, on reverb right now, this, this might not be a bad bad shout for the money. Uh, mm. Similar, although someone's put some... Oh, they've put weird Seymour Duncans in it. There's an early 90s silhouette on oh, yeah. there. Um, but someone has put those weird Seymour Duncans in it. Uh, the P-Rails, which is like a humbucker P90 and a single coil, like all in one pickup. Um, very weird. Uh, and then the tone control is like a weird selector. Ugh, um, why do people do it? But I like those silhouettes. I think they're cool guitars. I am clicking watch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I wonder if the Mariposa would be a good guitar for that. I think I think so. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think it might be a good shout. It's definitely, I'm going to think about it for a couple more days, but I, I think I'll be hard pushed to find something better than this. It seems to tickle boxes. It's from a company we like. It's a great color. It's, uh, yeah, it's very cool. Well, we'll see. We'll see uh, We'll see how it goes. And I'll keep you all updated, but thank you very much, dear listeners, for your all-rounder suggestions. Nice. Uh, we'll see We'll see where I land. Now, uh, now, Matt, you've... Uh, You've been, you're still working on your base six. Is that right? Indeed. I, um, we talked about this. I think we talked about this maybe in November. Um, and we were talking about upgrading the base six. And I, um, we talked about the hardtail plate last week. But what I ordered ages ago was a company based in the UK that make a replacement bridge. So not only the saddles, but also the, um, the actual plate that the saddles sit on, all manufactured out of um, like proper, uh, I guess, aluminium. Um, but w- yeah, they're solid, solid barrel saddles, um, which have got a slightly deeper groove cut in them to stop string slippage. And then they are in slightly wider, or they're in. They do two different string spacing options depending on whether you've got a squire or a pawn shop basics, um, which is quite easy, quite a thing that you didn't really necessarily need that you know you needed. No. Um, but not only that, the plate itself is like twice the w- thickness, I guess you would say, um, of the standard plate. And the reason for that is the wider standard, um, it's made wider than the standard bridge with the recent models to overcome intonation problems associated with six string bases or base sixes. Um, it's really solid, really heavy, really well manufactured. Uh, yeah, they're on like a 12 week waiting list. Wow. Um, cause lots of people bought base sixes last year. Cause lots of people bought base sixes. And it has truly, truly, now that I've got the hard tail in there, transformed it into a really awesome vintage sounding basics. Those labella cool. strings, I mean, labella strings, the hardtail plate and the bridge cost as much as the base. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, but near is, you know, not cheap. But the, tre- the trem in it, the trem block is horribly that, you know, p- plated chrome trash that's not very heavy um the bridge saddles are average and the strings as you know are super super light so all of those strings have just just made a world of difference and now with a proper setup it's just like yeah it's wicked you need to uh you need to record some sound examples for our listeners i will be doing some more very soon we'll talk about that in coming weeks Mm. but i finally got things rocking and a rolling in in here so um 
That's exciting. Did a bit it's of exciting that, that they were quite simple things because, of course, there were lots of crazy things you can do to a base six. You can soup it up in many ways, but everything you've done has been very straightforward, and I think you've turned it into a fantastic instrument, even without a pickup change. Yeah, even without a pickup change, and I think that's the thing. Actually, the pickups sound really good. I think the only thing it's probably missing now is decent shielding. Like when I was sat in front of my right. computer and it was like pretty buzzy when you weren't playing anything and it was picking up you know all sorts of weird noises to the laptop but um yeah apart from that i think it's uh they're worthy worthy upgrades if you don't use the trem definitely makes a difference definitely definitely makes a difference so would highly recommend it stay trem in the uk with the uh with the company that i used uh they make um yeah a bunch of different different ones but they do a specific wide bridge for base six in the string spacing specifically for the Squire Bay 6s, and it's well worth the money. Very, very cool. Now, um, last week, uh, we introduced, uh, for the first time, our, our idea of Spin the Wheel, which, of course, we'll be doing again this week. The, the idea of Spin the Wheel being that we will spin a wheel filled with the names of our top-tier Patreon supporters. We will land on one of them, and that Patreon supporter can define a topic uh, that we talk about on the following week's episode, as well as getting a lovely uh, goodie bag, a lovely tote bag full of guitar nerds, trinkets and treats. Um, last week, Eric File won, and uh, so he got in touch with us, and he said, uh, I'm hoping you could discuss your favourite odd Gibsons or even other brands, models, or the offerings from the mod shop or the demo shop. I just got my first true Gibson, a Chet Atkins Tennessean, and I love it. Uh, and watching Trogley's uh, guitar show, Weird Gibsons has made me want to acquire many more guitars. So, yes. So, yes, Eric, I thought we would talk about some weird Gibsons because, of course, that's something we've dealt with in the past on our YouTube. We did a whole top 10 of, like, odd, unusual Gibsons. It was a fascination of Mark Packham's for, for a long time. And there are some – here's the thing. Because Gibson so often have a- attempted – to reinvent the wheel and then abandoned it. It means that their history is littered with all these wonderful little gems that don't go for a lot of money. Certainly if uh, in, I guess the time, I, I guess really what, what we're talking about for, for Gibson is the time after, um, after Ted McCarthy left Gibson, they were in the 70s they were so directionless they just tried lots of different things um and often got them wrong which meant that they discontinued them after a short time then tried something else so we yeah so you just you ended up we ended up with a lot of weird and wonderful things i mean one of the one of the less weird things that i think is a great weird gibson is a gibson i talk about a lot which is the melody maker even I think of the reissues that they did. They reissued them between 2007, 2013, something like that. They're dead affordable. You know, you can get them you can get them secondhand for sub six hundred pounds. I mean it's mad to think though, they're not very old and they're more money now than they were new. <laughs> what were they new? I think the... they were like three nine nine. Really? But they I are think cool. So. They were great I mean... guitars. I mean, you know, made in the USA. 
you know, stamped, you know, stamped on the back of the headstock, decent parts. I mean, they were basically the beginner's Gibson, I guess, is the way they were going about it. Um, but I think you would part with very little cash. You'd get a really cool satin finished guitar that you could trash around. They wear in really quick. I mean, I've, you know, the same as the Gibson SG faded that I've got effectively. Um, a great little guitar for the money, you know, and especially, yeah, if you want something a bit quirky, that's not totally audible, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, and, and as you say, you know, on the cheaper side of things as well. Yeah. Well, let's, let's kind of stick with that. Cause there were loads of weird, we could of course just talk about the Firebird X, but actually no one wanted the Firebird X. So let's talk about the Gibsons that are weird and odd, but are ones that we genuinely like and would play. Have you got any, suggestions man i would and i've talked about this before um but i would of course go for the time that gibson tried to make the Jimi hendrix strat no uh i I think we could probably do a whole episode just on that or a patreon on that but yeah at one point gibson did try and make a i think Jimi hendrix family were like oh we're going to tie with a brand and it had Jimi hendrix signature on their headstock but it was made by gibson and it had like a trem on it and but it looked like a weird strat that fender didn't make very very weird but not really a proper guitar for me if i could and i have seen one and i have played one and i nearly bought one despite it not working completely and that's the gibson rd moog artist series so the rd artist is their kind of i guess they're sort of imagine like an explorer that's maybe melted slightly so it's a bit more sort of rounded yeah it's a weird shape isn't it yeah Uh, yeah that's quite a good way of putting it a sort of rounded extended explorer yeah um they actually did um a few of these they did the rd but they actually also did an es artist and a les paul artist as well but all of them had moog electronics in them um so you basically i think they were like 859 at the time and this was like 40 years ago so i think this is late 70s probably 1979 um these were but effectively you had a bunch of like electronic you had a compression expand mode then you had some different tone modes um do you remember that i had one for a little while did you have a guitar or did you have a bass i had the guitar i was actually fixing it for a friend but like you know she was like why don't you uh it was it was her dad's and uh he'd passed away and she asked if i'd fix it up first right she could play it um and so she let me keep it for about six months whilst i worked on it because she wanted the she wanted the effects um, right. to work as well and I, I i remember taking it apart and being like oh i'd never really seen the inside of it and i was like oh the entire back plate is a pcb <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it was crazy it's um yeah i guess it was more like an early attempt at active pickups so there was a lot of circuitry around you know active eq active tone controls and there. there's obviously this compression expander circuit so uh expansion worked on the rear pickup and gibson said it allowed the guitarist to play harder and louder without the note collapsing which gave a very fast explosive uh response with rapid decay um but yeah and then and then effectively like 
an onboard compressor. But the guitar itself is very cool, and the fact that it's got Moog Electronics in, whether you use it or not, very quirky Gibson. Definitely something they didn't make a lot of. Um, but yeah, something that I would play because actually I love the guitar itself. Right. Um, and if you can find them, they're expensive, but they're not like fifty thousand dollars expensive. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that would be that would be my choice. Um, what about you, Joe? Uh, the, I mean, the one that always that that stands out for me is the odd Gibson that's incredibly underrated. Very weird for them to have made at the time, and still not highly regarded now. But really, I wish it was because I think it's very good. It's the SG one hundred. Now, the SG one hundred came in a series. There was the one hundred, the two hundred, and the two fifty. Um, the one hundred was essentially it's an SG with a single coil pickup only in the in the neck. The two hundred had two pickups. Two fifty also had two pickups, but was available in cherry rather than just a, a normal sort of dark wood uh, finish, which I think was the only difference. But what was great about these, they came out in 71. I think they lasted about a year. Few of them were made. They were incredibly unsuccessful at the time because Gibson had been making the Melody Maker. It's an entry-level guitar. It was really popular. It was an affordable way for people to get Gibsons, and they sounded good. And Ted McCarty had just left um, Gibson around this time, I think. And uh, and they wanted, to, they wanted to change up their... Um, they wanted to change up what their entry-level guitar was. Of course, the SG was a very popular shape. So this should have worked on paper. An affordable SG should have worked on paper, but there were a number of things that made it a bit weird. They made it out of ash for a start. Uh, They lost the angled headstock, so it was a straight headstock made out of ash, single coil pickups, just one single angled single coil in the neck. And it actually meant that what you got was something that sounded a bit like a Telecaster which is very cool, and I really like that. But I think at the time, and and certainly if you want to buy an SG, if you want to buy a Gibson, you don't want to buy a Telecaster. You don't want to sound like a Telecaster. Mm. So for that reason, you know, people who wanted to sound like a Telecaster bought Fenders. People who wanted to sound like SGs wanted a proper SG, and this just wasn't it. And so for all those quirks, it was just incredibly unpopular. I think it's it, they look amazing. They had this gorgeous, like, bridge plate, like an ashtray cover over the bridge that said Gibson. The single core pickup just looks lovely. Everything about them was great. I've never got a chance to play one. Everywhere you read it about the build quality is notoriously terrible on them, but I bet that's not true. I bet they're awesome and everything I've ever wanted. Um, <laughs> um, I, I remembered another guitar that is a, definitely a quirky one in terms of, I don't know the history behind it. I have seen one in the flesh and I was like, I have to own this. Um, and that was the Gibson ES140. So the ES140 right. is a three-quarter sized 175. So it's oh, a it's oh, the I full found a picture. Oh, that's so it's, weird. It's like a it's full depth, but the actual the whole thing has been shrunk in the wash. I, I think I love it. I think um, I love it. I don't know whether these really were. I, I don't know if these were designed to be like student guitars. I'd imagine not, because the ES is at that time, you know, nineteen fifty. We're still talking like, you know, 
premium. Yeah, it was designed to be a student model targeted towards younger players with smaller hands. (laughs) Wow, I um, I want one. I remember seeing one before, and I wish I had the money. There is one available in the UK. I think it's had a replacement pickup in it, maybe because it's got a really shiny P90 in it. Looks really out of place. Uh, The one in there's one in America looks way better. Um, but very, very cool guitars. Very, very cool guitars. And yeah, just quirky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is a, an extremely cool Gibson. Well, there, you know, kind of there you have it. There's just so much. I mean, we haven't even, we, we're of course, dear listener, barely scratching the surface. We haven't talked about the Sonex uh, or the Corvus or, or any of those other uh, crazy things that Gibson made. But there are some great, affordable vintage weird gibsons if you if you really shop around for them yeah anyway it's uh it it is time we're going to talk about what the uh question of the week is and as requested i've added the original question jingle (laughs) it's the question duck (laughs) and uh the question duck is asking all uh, I don't know why I bother. Uh, all the all our listeners uh, for question suggestions um, this week. I think we we kind of we're going to do two probably over on the Patreon. Dear listener, if you want to ask a question on any of our forums, email us at info at on Facebook on the Guitar Nerds group on Patreon. If you like, get in touch with us. Ask us a, uh, talk about a question that you'd like us to discuss on the Patreon, and we will do that. The two we're going to talk about this week. Uh, Peter Pesce has actually continued less of a question, more a discussion point around last week's question by John Bai. I'll read, I'll read what Peter said. He said, so I'm going to keep going with the John Bai question and the Patreon discussion. Number one, guitars made in Asia are now so good that in three to five years, every guitar under $1,000 uh, will be made there. I think the PRS DGT SE will redefine what is possible. Fender, Taylor, and Martin may strain to keep a few Mexican things under that number, but not for long. Two valve amps will be increasingly boutique above $1,000. Nobody will be making cheap valve amps. The valve supply will no longer cover the volumes needed to make profits. People with valve amps will treat them like XKE Jags uh, are treated now. Uh, Three, the US made will get harder to justify with the quality from other sources improving. Gordon Smith will bump their entry-level GS1 up to $1,000 within two years. Um, And the $1,000 guitar not made in Asia will be history. And then he's uh, suffixed it by saying he didn't realize the lowest price GSs are already 999. So his prediction has come true. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to talk a bit around that, sort of the upcoming Asian guitar market, what this means for American or British made guitars and, you know, how things are sort of shaking out in that regard, how cheap guitars are getting better, stuff like that. And also we want to talk about Sam Brooksby um, has asked, uh, would you spend £1,500 on the best instrument from an affordable brand or £1,500 on a lower end instrument from a premium brand those will be our discussion points on uh on the patreon episode look forward to it yes indeed um and uh, on that note it's time for the news news 
Well, there's lots to talk about in the uh, news. Obviously, the PRS DGTSE is a big deal and something that we should talk about. But first of all, Matt and I wanted to talk about something very exciting, as requested by Timothy Mifsud on uh, on Patreon, I, I think. He wanted us to talk about the new Josh Smith. Matt, you mentioned Josh Smith a bit last week, I think, but we wanted to talk about the new polypedal Josh Smith Flat V. I can't remember why I talked about him. It was last uh, the sh- week. it was the drawers, pedal drawers. Oh, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I actually saw a hint of this on Instagram. Um, I think they kind of just put it out into the world and then just went, "Oh, we're launching it on Monday, so you'll find out more <laughs> about it then." But yeah. um, the Poly Effects. So I think the same company does the Poly Digit, um, the kind of big touchscreen sort of mega multi effects. Um, they have done the Josh Smith Flat 5 Signature, Flat 5 being something that relates to Josh Smith, because I think his guitar is also called the Flat 5, and I think his studio is also called Flat 5 or something similar. Um, this is his Signature Overdrive, a sophisticated two-channel gain stomp box with selectable diodes, synth-like controls, MIDI, and more. Um, very, very cool-looking. First of all, very cool-looking. It sort of looks like Out of Space. Well, yes, space. worth prefacing um, that it's all touchscreen. All the it buttons is are all touchscreen, which is weird. You've got basically four controls, no, six controls, um, but four of those are sliders: high pass filter, volume gain, and low pass filter. And you kind of slide your finger up and down, and this little, I would, I would say, a trail of comets sort of lights up or lights down. So, from a practical, visible point of view uh it's it's quite unique but effectively you've got two cascading gain controls and each one of those can then have a series of different uh diodes um as well so depending on um you know how you want to mix and match things uh germanium silicon and then i think two different types of other diodes in there maybe only just sort of getting everything through selectable diodes from shock key germanium silicon and led well channel b is an amp style gain circuit with cascaded j fets replacing valve so an overdrive into a valve amp uh, amp in a box i guess you would say with synth inspired resonant filters um to shape the tone of channel b you can also use things like volume to get like tremolo you've got midi You've got envelope filters. You can do auto wire effects, um, and it's one hundred percent analog. Now, I I read this and saw the pedal with its silly touchscreen things, and I was like, "Oh, you've overcomplicated something that didn't need to be this complicated." And then I watched the Josh Smith demos, and I was like, "Oh, this it, this sounds absolutely amazing! It's it's a everything he does. Fantastic drive pedal. Everything that he demos sounds great." I mean, whenever you've, yeah. I've watched videos of him talk through his ted- pedal board and it's just like, you know, when I was reading through some of these things, I'm like LED sliders and like, yeah, you can do auto wire and it's got res- two 24, you know, DB resonant fills. I'm like, this sounds a bit like a Homer. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'll make you a pedal. Uh, four drives, an amp in a box, auto wire. But, you know, whenever you look at anything that's been Josh, is a Josh Smith signature from his fuzz pedals or, you know, from Venurum or what he just knows how to dial it in. He does loads of session work. He knows what he wants. He tweaks it. You know, you know, his guitar is going to be great. You know, everything that he puts his name against is going to be road tested to the nth degree by him. So I don't doubt his, um, you know, his ability to kind of help create something 
quite wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, he he talks through the presets that come on the on the pedal when you get it, which are the six presets that he himself uh, has chosen, and every single one of them just sounded fantastic. I do wish it was on rotaries, but that that's purely a, a personal thing. I think I would be willing to get over that for the sake that this pedal sounds absolutely fantastic. It's so weird to see something that looks so modern that sounds so vintage. You know, they're so I know. odd. I mean, I, I, the auto wire actually captures me. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of the best, worst electronic pedal of all time, the tube zipper, which I could never get a decent sound out of ever. Um, but I only wanted one because John Frusciante had one at some point. And then never saw it on his pedal board again. Never <laughs> did actually buy one, mainly because every time I wanted to try one, when I worked at GAC, you'd get it out of the box and a valve would be smashed. Hmm. And it would sit in a box for like 10 years until you decide to like sell it for 20 quid or something. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, I love I love low pass filters. The fact that you could actually kind of dial back the gain and, and again, over MIDI, and it's 100% analogue. You know, I think it's great having analogue drive that you can have some presets on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I never really thought about it, but actually, the you know the fact that the way the pedal was laid out, the touchscreen on the pedal, how easy it was for him to select each preset and have these six utterly unique, different drive fuzz esque sounds, preamp sounds. Mm. It, it, this is very good. This is a very good product. Uh, I, I, Poly Poly Effects are, a, a, I guess, a, a smaller company. Um, but I think this pedal could do really big things with a name like Josh's yeah. behind it. And I, I really hope people pick up on this. I think it's, a, this, it's very, very good. We haven't really, maybe we, maybe we should reach out to the, to the guy, but we never really talked much about the poly effects. I know they came out and at the time we were sort of like, not really sure, I guess, cause they're sort mm. of the concept of the Bebo, which is their, their main one is like, it's the power of a modular synth in an easy-to-use touchscreen format. So you've just got three buttons, and then you've got this really nice, like, OLED screen that allows you to kind of, like, wire and rig stuff in different ways. Um, and we've yeah. never really tried it. I've not really seen it for sale anywhere. No. Um, it does come in pink, which is always a... <laughs> I think that was why we checked always it out an in advantage. the first place. Um, but, yeah, I'd be, I'd be keen to, to revisit it and go back to it, I think. See what it, see what it's like, but this this does definitely intrigue me in many ways. I think I, I like the idea of this kind of uh, yeah. I guess analog game with MIDI control reminds me a little bit of the old TC Electronic distortion um, they had. Um, that was the overdrive and the distortion in one box. You had oh yeah two channels and MIDI control. Um, so a hundred percent analog signal path. I think is is great. Touchscreen. I mean, I agree with you. Sometimes you think, yeah, knobs would be better. I mean, what happens when I your just hand gets use wet? It. What happens if you're sweating when you're playing a show and you need to change the preset? And no you know, idea. it does that thing like how phones are when you try and text someone <laughs> with wet hands and you end up, you know, telling them something very rude about their prostate. Like, you know, you probably just need to put some sort of dust cover on it, Joe. Yeah, when it. you're out there playing. That's it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm keen. I'm keen to try it. I'm keen to give it a go. Um you know, three nine nine in uh English pounds. Kind of, you know, expensive. It's premium. You know? It premium is premium. Price. Um but I'll be but, definitely willing to give it a go. Yeah. 
yeah, me too. Let's uh, let's reach out because I think this is a cool pedal and I want to do more stuff with it because it sounds great. Anyway, dear listener, sorry, I said we've got so much to get through. So apologies that I'm, I'm racing through things. We are going to talk about the PRS SE next week, but I really want to talk about the guitar and the, a pedal that we picked up. Um, so let's uh, let's do our show and tell. So. So this week, as I shared all over the group and on the Guitar Nerds Instagram, I got um, a, a very lovely Anne Coates uh, guitar. I got one of the new Islington Rockets sent through from Anne Coates uh, in a gorgeous fool's gold finish with a creamery 59 humbucker in the bridge and a super fat cat filtertron uh, in, the, in the neck. Lovely uh lovely vibrola system on there it's a fantastic guitar it looks absolutely incredible matt did you see it i did i saw you post it on instagram i think i saw a similar guitar at the london guitar show i don't know if it's the same one he had there maybe um oh dear listener if you're if you're coming to the birmingham guitar show i'm bringing it uh to that or i'm sending it back to him just before that am i bringing it i can't remember but anyway it's going to be at the birmingham guitar show um but yeah i like this one because obviously you've got you know a unique body shape double cutaway you've got the german carve on there you've got the really nice duesenberg les trem i guess it is system on there um yeah nice mix as you say of pickups well designed um nice headstock yeah you know and just like not a lot of money no (laughs) (laughs) realistically i think what's the starting price two thousand before you add any extras in considering they're all handmade to order yeah um i think it's a great guitar lovely shallow d neck feels very gibson-y in the in the neck to me uh really playable really well set up i don't know what's on there it feels like it might be 11s though um good but but, uh it's definitely (laughs) it's super comfy i really really enjoy playing with it playing it and a very cool thing about this guitar it's a little thing that he's trying out at the moment he calls it future relic so the deal is the finish the fool's gold finish is a thin coat uh and underneath that is another color that will be revealed only yes. when it wears through. So it's like those colour-on-colour relics, but you only get the second colour when you play it. That's cool. He's not sure if it's a bit contrived, but I'm like, no, that's awesome. You're adding like, I don't know, this is like a, a sweet with more than one flavour. That I... Well, I like you said that, Jay, because I remember when I did a colour over colour, I was like, I wanted it to be like one of those sort of raspberry ruffle chocolates you get in the UK. <laughs> it's a thin layer of chocolate, but inside it's vibrant pink. Um, I love that idea. I think that's great. You know, because colour over, colour over colour, realistically, is something that unless you buy a vintage guitar that's been refinished and you know there's another colour underneath, it's not going to happen naturally. You've got to refinish a guitar twice. So I like that thin layer of kind of, yeah thin layer of gold that you can slowly rub away into another colour. Um, future Relic. Future relic. Gra- that is it's great. Really that cool. Great. He needs to patent that because that is a great idea. Um, and actually all the paint is water-based from a local company to hit where they're made as well, which is quite nice. Yes, one of the backbones, I believe, of Ancoats is that everything, or as much as possible, uh, is um, very, very locally sourced. I would... Uh, I mean, if I, if I had to have one, though, I would still... 
go for the NQ. What's um, the NQ? The NQ is the, um, I guess it's kind of like an offset, kind of like a Jaguar body, maybe horns are a little pointier with one humbucker uh, and then a kind of uh, compensated telly style saddle. I mean, obviously there's lots of different options you can get, but um, I just like the body shape. I think it's very, very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely cool. The, there's something about the scratch plate on the NQ that, for me, makes it borderline 80s rather than 50s inspired. I don't know what it is, but I'm definitely more at home on the new Islington. And the new is the new Islington, standardly, I think, has much less of a German carve on it. You've got the rocket version, which is far more shapely. That's what I've got with this lovely sort of rocket-shaped scratch plate. So the scratch plate's made of two different materials you've got the uh in this case um the tort which is the bulk of the plate and then you've got almost the uh the the wings of the rocket are uh in in my case as a, a, a sort of a white uh scratch plate material it's very cool it's a it's a really lovely idea on the plate but uh but yeah it's a fantastic sounding guitar i had lots of fun with it i recorded last week's uh kma uh reel on instagram dear listener if you want to check that out that's the uh the rocket and it's, it's been all over kma's instagram as well as guitar nerds instagram actually this week and uh and and so i've recorded something with it but i also got sent a pedal um which i will talk about more over the coming uh weeks because i've had a fantastic time with it it's by goliath effects a very small little effects company that we're going to do some stuff with dear listeners so watch this space but Goliath effects often making just a, a one man company making you know pedals in his shed but they're very very good limited runs he's in, made something called the ice drive in this gorgeous sort of cracked white and blue finish it's very lovely um it's a complex drive pedal so it's got like a, a separate mids and then a tone control a sort of a, a tone stack based on like a, a martial style thing then uh like a master volume a blend um and and one of the things i really like is it has a a rotary clipping section that sweeps between LED clipping and asymmetrical silicon diode clipping, which is rather cool. So you can, rather than having one or the other, you can really tailor your own tone. Uh, and it even has like a separate foot switch on there, which gives you a slightly different uh, voicing to the pedal, a bit less bass heavy, a bit more pronounced, great for cutting through. It's a, like a lead button, essentially, but really good drive pedal. I had a great time recording with it. Here's a little track with the Ancoats New Islington Rocket and the Goliath Ice Drive.
There you go. There you go. The Anne Coates uh, New Islington Rocket with the Goliath effects. Sounds bloody drive. fantastic, Joe. I, that was one of the best pedal demos <laughs> I've heard in a long time, actually. It's really nice hearing it in context. I think that's always the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it I can't great. play guitar unless there's a drum beat. I'm terrible without it. So, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not great anyway, but I'm terrible without a drum beat. So oh. I have to, I have to make them out of little tracks just to make them, uh, proper. <laughs> the, the only thing I would say is when you said ice overdrive, I thought very much of the Ibanez Joe Satriani ice nine overdrive, which is possibly one of the worst distortion pedals out there. Ah. <laughs> um, so any note for the, for the company, just be warned. Don't get confused with the Ibanez Ice 9. Yeah. Um, but I thought it sounded really good, Joe. Really top-notch. Yes, yeah. Really, really cool pedal. And oh, just the new Islington, so good. So good for the money as well. Such a top-notch guitar. Yeah, I mean, that sounds Angos. ace. Absolutely ace. What, what were you running into? Just uh, to so, plug in or... So, yeah, so, uh, well, actually, I guess uh, for context still listening, that was all on the bridge pickup, all on that creamery humbucker in the in the bridge a uh, gold foil in the bridge um and uh i was running straight into neural dsp um using uh the tone king which is wow. the only thing I, I really use for recording anymore <laughs> believe it or not the tone king when you load it up it has a default setting that has a touch of reverb and a little bit of delay which you can get to just sync with whatever the bpm is of your track that you're loading up and that's it. I don't actually change it from the default setting because it sounds so good. It sounds well, so good. If that's if it works for you, it works for you. Exactly. And that's what's important. And and with this, with the ice drive, like a transparent-ish overdrive that has a blend control, I can get the best out of that neural DSP amp and I can get the best out of the drive pedal at the same time. It's just it's it was a really good combination. I yeah. loved it. Nice. No, it sounded great. Sounded yes. great. Yes. Well, we are drawing towards the end of uh, this week's episode, dear listener. So uh, it has come. It is time for us to to spin the wheel. We're gonna uh, we're going to decide who is going to select our topic for next week. Now, I realise that, of course, you can't hear me spinning the wheel, dear listener. So I'm going to spin the wheel as I play the jingle this week. Here's here it is. <laughs> Okay, everyone, dear listener, we have uh, we have a winner, and it is Chris Franklin. Chris Franklin, well done! Congratulations, you have won uh, the 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 joy of a goodie bag, and also to decide what Matt and I are going to talk about this week. Thanks very much, to Eric File, for the great Gibson topic. Chris, can you top it? Can you top Eric? Uh, let us know. We'll be in contact. And uh, we'll sort out next week's topic. Now, it has come to the end of this week's podcast, dear listener. Matt and I are going to be heading over um, to uh, Patreon, to the Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds. 
Uh, if you want to get in touch with us and ask questions for any reason at all, uh, if you have a company you think we should be checking out, or if you are a company or a brand or a luthier or anything like that, uh, then you can email us, info at guitarnerds.net. DM us on Instagram. You can ask us in the open forum on our Facebook group, Guitar Nerds Group. And if you're a Patreon supporter, then contact us through Patreon. I'll actually respond to you if you do that. Uh, <laughs> we're heading over to Patreon to talk about this week's question of the week. You can join us there. Visit patreon.com forward slash guitarnerds for all the info on how to sign up and support our charming community. I want to say thanks very much to everyone that signed up this week. I don't think I've ever had as many new patrons after a first episode in this series as this. <laughs> normally everyone Amazing. normally everyone leaves when they uh, realize we're doing another series. But no, this is, it's been fantastic. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. Um, thank you for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nerds. Farewell. Bye. And now, of course, as is customary, I'd like to thank our very wonderful top-tier $10 dear Patreon backers with whom out this wouldn't be possible. Thank you to Suresh, to Dorsonic Pickups, Chris Franklin, Anton Fryant, Barry Gresbick, Steve Davis, Daniel Walker, Jorin Brown, John Conaway, The Studio Rats, Russell Healing, Yogi the Guitarist, Kai Allen, Kyle Harris, Sean Hughes, Brian Hansen, Andy Hoffler, Eric Hemmer, Jeffrey Wax, Brian Einsler, Gavin van der Linden, Mark Hizau Kadawaki, Stuart Robson, Eric File, Peter Pesce, Andy Manley, Simon Milbourne, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Radomski, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Wharton, James Dore, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Loseth, Stephen Bork, Robin Smith, Kytopia the Band, JD Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Nordvik, Scott O'Brien, and of course, Moog Gravit. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.